Hello and welcome to another episode of the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Karyapha. And I'm Gunjan Saha and together we'll be bringing you the biggest headlines from India's startup ecosystem. But before we begin, uh, Roshan, do you know anyone who is coming from abroad? Me from, from the abroad? US? Yeah. Um, why? Well, I'm considering of getting a new laptop. So, okay. Uh, yeah, quite a few people have asked. I mean, you'll have to wait in line and perhaps my friends will have to get a license also for this. License? <laughs> Well, I don't think they'll need a license, but yeah, well, you're getting at something. India has mandated licensing for the import of laptops and tablets or any personal devices. Along with that, the center has also released the draft National Deep Tech Startup Policy, which is now open for public deliberation. Vanguard, which is, I guess, probably the world's largest mutual fund manager, uh, they have slashed Ola's valuation by over 52%. Now, that's a massive, massive cut. We also have X challenging India's content blocking mandate and the 5 million rupees fine in the Karnataka High Court. So a lot of interesting stuff to discuss this week. We'll get started. Okay, so import restrictions, right? The Indian government has restricted the imports of laptops, tablets and personal computers with immediate effect. Imports would be allowed with a valid license for restricted imports. And this move is aimed to boosting manufacturing in India. Now, the response from the industry has been mixed and many people are calling it as, you know, the government just putting red tape. But what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so a couple of clarifications to begin with, right? I mean, this is not a ban. The government is only saying that you need to have a license. Uh, so, yes, they are seeking to restrict the imports, but not to the extent of a ban, right? I mean, that's the first thing. Second thing, you can still get laptops for Gunjan from Dubai or US or wherever else. Uh, one at a time, I think, should be fine, right? Whatever you can carry in your luggage. Uh, if you're going to get, like, uh, import number of uh, laptops, I mean, uh, then, I mean, you might need a license, right? Uh, but with this demand, I mean, yeah. Why is the government doing this? Uh, see, we have to understand that we import about $20 billion worth of all of these laptops and other equipment, uh, you know, every year. Now, it's a massive amount, right? Uh, and what the government is uh, trying to do is figure if, you know, some of that can be absorbed within the ecosystem itself in terms of creating jobs, creating capabilities and investments in the country. And so uh, we've seen this uh, before in, um, you know, let's say smartphones, uh, you know, electronic manufacturing, so on and so forth, right? Where, you know, today, for instance, 7% of all iPhones are uh, assembled here in India. You know, that is something that uh, the government is seeking to do in this domain as well. One thing that I will say is that, you know, the policy communication has been a bit, uh, I won't say brash, but I mean, it it, it is very uh, uncertain, right? Uh, I think there has to be more seamless communication from the government and also thinking from the industry perspective in terms of, hey, how will this affect the industry and what they have to do to kind of manage this in the near term, right? That is something that I think the government has to pay more attention to. Let's see, I mean, I think it's a it's a good move in the sense that it will create jobs, it will create capabilities and skills and so on in India, uh, for sure. And it's something that we have to do, right? I mean, look, we have to get over this whole you know, 90s uh, phenomena of, you know, considering India as the largest market and like simply import whatever you want, right? Uh, you also have to negotiate that because 
I think where we are right now geopolitically, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you saw this with Tesla, for instance. We discussed it a few roundups back on how three years back, uh, you know, Tesla was complaining about all of the import taxes and so on and so forth. And uh, Sri Nitin Gadkari was very firm in his resolve that look, I mean, we won't offer any concessions, but you're free to set up uh, manufacturing and you know employ people here. And uh, Tesla finally has indicated that they will do that, right? Uh, so, considering India's size, India's demographic, and where we are ge- geopolitically, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, uh, for us to do it, you know. So, the PLA or production-linked incentives have worked fabulously well. And, you know, we've spoken many times on how the manufacturing lever has to kick in for India, you know. I mean, if if we have to uh, inch towards that $5 trillion mark, right. So, so I, I feel it's a good move. I only feel that it could have been more seamless in terms of policy communication and so on. And uh, yeah, hopefully the government takes note of it. Okay. Um, few things here, right? This PLI scheme 2.0, this was announced in, I think, May 2023. And this is just specifically for IT hardware, right? And as you mentioned, the whole goal for this is to get manufacturing running in India. But if for whatever reason this system breaks, then Indian consumers will need to wait additional months, let's say to purchase the latest model of a laptop because acquiring these licenses will be a will be something that will be taking time. It's a near-term trouble and I think it will be sorted out, right? I mean, so for instance, in the short term, if a restaurant changes its menu, then it will cause all kinds of inconvenience, right? I mean, think of it that way. Uh, and these are macro decisions. So obviously, I'm not saying that, you know, it won't have any, uh, what do you call, I mean, it won't have any trouble. It will in the near term, right? People have to acquire these licenses and there will be delays in terms of getting your favorite laptops and they could potentially cost uh, more if the cost for acquiring licenses, etc. has been transferred to the cons- uh, consumers, etc. But over a period of time, I think it will leave a note. I guess this is something we should keep an eye out for. Yeah. The government has also issued a draft national deep tech startup policy to address the challenges faced by startups and enhance the ecosystem. The draft policy is open for public feedback until September 15th. The policy outlines four key pillars, which are securing India's economic future, progressing towards a knowledge-driven economy, bolstering national capability and sovereignty through the Atmanirbhar Bharat imperative, and encouraging ethical innovation. We have been talking about, you know, the growth of deep tech companies in India and We've also lauded that how the government has decided to step out of this and let these companies self-regulate themselves. But well, I guess it was only a matter of time until we saw a policy uh, within the space. What is your uh, take on it? How do you think this? See, India, I feel on the tech policy side of things, we could actually spur innovation with policy. You know, uh, you've seen, for instance, how the RBI has been very proactive in doing that, um, right, with the whole digitization as well right so i feel like uh, you know on on this as well right i mean with a few aspects including the national research mission and and the other aspects i, I feel like the government is trying to streamline things and make it easier for startups right i mean don't think of it as regulation in terms of like what we just discussed right uh, you know let's say uh, restricting imports and those kind of things right i i think that uh, you know any government in the world today is thinking about and grappling with the consequences of what would happen in in the case of AI. Deep tech beyond all of this, right? I mean, think of, uh, let's say, early cancer detection or some new kind of fancy drug or some prosthetics, robotics, all of those things. I mean, you know, we we have a software bias and we tend to think of tech in only those terms. But even all of these hardware and those kind of tech as well, right? I mean, it's pretty important. It's very important, in fact. 
uh, right? And what the government is trying to do is to is just basically recognize that it's important and figure out what are the pillars necessary for uh, it to kind of succeed. And that's what this whole draft policy uh, talks about, basically. Well, yeah, you're right. The key priorities for the government uh, through this policy are nurturing research, development and innovation, uh, strengthening intellectual property regime, facilitating access to funding, which I think will be very important. Then there's infrastructure access and resource sharing. So what the government is really trying to aim here is to facilitate that knowledge sharing and make sure that people have access to resources and infrastructure yeah. they need. See, you look at space, for instance, right? I mean, the fact that there was an Indian Space Association that was formed and that ISRO has been so proactive in working with startups, sharing their facilities and so on, it, it's really created uh, an amazing uh, sort of a push in that sector, right? And that can happen in other areas as well. I mean, certainly, you know, uh, there are research organizations in India doing fantastic work uh, and they could definitely share their facilities, know-how, resources with other people in the domain. And I think, uh, you know, building a common platform on that is uh, fantastic. You know, I mean, people keep talking about how India spends less than 1% of our GDP on research. Well, I mean, it's an aspirational thing. I think we should, you know, catch up uh, and uh, spend the required amount, maybe double, triple that amount, right? But uh, in the meantime, there are some very low-hanging fruits that government has to take care of, right? And, and one of these uh, things is this, basically. Another aspect of this policy is that they're also setting up the Center for Deep Tech Translation, and just figure out that how you convert the research into into a product through practical through applications. Yeah. yeah, the commercialization of uh, deep tech products. Right. So that should also be interesting. Moving on, Vanguard has cut the worth of its holding in Ola by more than half since its original investment. The asset manager marked down the holding of its Ola shares to twenty five million dollars from the fifty one point seven million purchase price years ago. Uh, the cut in worth of Ola's shares by Vanguard implies a reduction in the company's valuation to $3.5 billion. And Ola's since being founded over a decade ago, they have raised more than $3.9 billion over the years. So interesting number here. They have raised more money than what they're currently valued. But yeah, Ola, I think it's a big company and I think they can weather the storm. You know, it comes at a time when Uber has just turned profitable. You know, <laughs> think about it. They have like, a, I think, a $30 billion, $36 billion run rate. Uh, right, and they have done a, a few good things. Right, they've gotten out of all of the businesses where they were not seeing profits. They've gotten out of geographies where they were not seeing profits. And uh, you know, come 2020, they made a few cuts on headcount and so on and so forth. They've streamlined their operations, and at a certain scale, I mean, they are turning over a profit at this point. So. I think there will be some kind of a consolidation in India as well, right, in terms of ride-sharing. Uh, ride-sharing is here to stay. It's not going to go away, for sure, right? I mean, it's a, it's an irreversible change. Nobody is going to go back to, you know, booking uh, taxis and cabs off of, uh, you know, registers and uh, telephone directories and so on, right? I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen. So, they will figure a way to work the business, right? But at the same time, I think most of the energy has kind of shifted to Ola Electric right now. And in fact, Bavish is full-time on Ola Electric itself. So, yeah. So, as you said, you know, Vanguard is one of the largest mutual fund uh, managers in the world. And they own 0.8% of uh, Ola. So, they've decided to mark down uh, their valuation for whatever reason. And, and interestingly, at the same time, they've, you know, they've seen an appreciation in HDFC and LNT. Right. So, yeah, I mean, these things happen, I suppose, periodically. Well, Bhavish has also been busy. He's setting up an AI startup, right? And he's looking to build a large language model. 
and is also currently scouting two comp- AI companies in the US for acquisitions and is also thinking of venturing into the semiconductor wow. design space. You know how he does this? How? Because he doesn't believe in Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> so there was an interesting interview of his uh, on uh, your story, right? Yeah. Where he basically said, you know, Saturdays and Sundays are a, you know, western concept, right? So, but but in all seriousness, I think he makes a good point, right? Our Where generation is destined to toil. Yeah. yeah. Ominous. <laughs> but basically, it talks about harmony, right? Work-life harmony and not balance. And yeah, man, props to him. I mean, if he can run all of these different companies, right? I mean, we definitely need bold entrepreneurs. We definitely need people focused on creating IP in India. So yeah, more power to him. So would you call him the Indian Musk? We'll wait. <laughs> He is Bavish and Bavish obviously is, uh, you know, th- th- that name itself carries a lot of weight in India for now. But uh, yeah, we'll see if he becomes the next Musk. Alright, talking about Musk, uh, X has challenged the Indian court's ruling over his non-compliance with the Indian government's orders of removing certain content. The social media company argues that the rulings could embolden the centre to flag more content for blocking, widening the scope of censorship. So in June 2023, the Karnataka High Court dismissed the plea and slapped the company with a hefty fine of 5 million rupees. X has now filed a 96-page appeal against the decision, arguing that this will embolden the government to make more such blocking orders. Well, this back and forth will keep going on, right? I mean, uh, like I said, you know, it's not a platform anymore. It's a publisher as well. So this is, uh, you know, this is what happens to publishers. And I'm sure that a bunch of all these newspapers and whatnot, right, including Times or the Washington Post or whatever, all of these will have ongoing cases with with the courts and the government and whatnot. And yeah, Twitter or sorry, X is also going to be treated the same way, I suppose. But... When Elon Musk took over Twitter, he said that, ki, yeah, India is, you know, one of the key markets for for them. And um, we should have cordial relations with the government, with the local authorities and stuff like that. And right now he is, you know, again, taking the tradi- the old route of saying, ki, yeah, blame, blame the government. Yeah, like, I mean, what, these, I mean, uh, no, I mean, these, these minor things will keep happening. Like I said, I mean, they will go back and forth on what is kosher and what is not, right? The government should be definitely firm on its uh, front in terms of, uh, you know, what is admissible and not. And we have our own laws, right? I mean, you know, Twitter or X cannot function as a sort of a supranational entity and govern itself through its own laws, right? Obviously, in the US, you've seen all these congressional hearings and everything. Certainly, you know, they they, uh, adhere to all the laws of the land there. So what is the problem in uh, adhering to the, the laws here, right? So, yeah. Right. Okay, some other updates um, from the ecosystem. Bangalore-based growth stage investor Elevate Venture Partners on Friday said that it has marked the first close of its maiden investment vehicle, Elevate Capital Fund 1, at $67 million. This is nearly a year after it was launched. In this week's Talk of the Town section, we have this interesting tweet by New York Times journalist Erin Griffith. She writes, Crazy lawsuit from an investor, SoftBank, against a startup, IRL. SoftBank invested $150 million in 2021. $25 million went to insiders on the claim that IRL had 12 million monthly users. But the company was spending 50k a month on a bot army and the app was a virtual ghost town. It's crazy. This is what happens in uh, former world, basically, right? 
2021 i mean everyone just went crazy and uh, due diligence was a folded award and uh, yeah this is what happens and it can happen to some of the best people right i mean tiger softbank a16z you name it sequoia everyone can miss a trick here and there but the reason why we're talking about this is also because see corporate governance i think some of them you know make it out to be an acutely indian issue i don't think it is <laughs> that kind of self flagellation is not required it happens everywhere right yeah. there are scams and frauds uh, in every bull market everywhere yeah. uh, right it's not unique to india and uh, these are times when you know we'll have to look at these and uh, figure a tighter way to regulate some of this stuff right uh, self regulate i mean so yeah will is uh, she continues to write employees literally creating jira tickets to <laughs> add fake yeah. users and fake chats to the platform crazy again i think uh, silicon valley was uh, such an amazing series you know i mean it showed a bunch of this as well so yeah all right folks so that's it for this week's uh, rounder we hope you enjoyed the conversation do subscribe to the channel for regular updates if you want updates to be delivered straight into your whatsapp inbox you'll find a whatsapp link in the description and yes yeah, keep sending us your live keep sending us your love like this video share it with your friends and tune back again next week for more updates take care see you guys cheers